Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Netflix is getting into gaming, marking a big expansion for the streaming media giant. But will you actually play these games? I'm Roger Chang. This is your Daily Charge. Here to talk about Netflix's upcoming venture is CNET media reporter Joan Salzman. Welcome, Joan. Hi, Roger. So first off, what did Netflix actually announce? Yesterday, Netflix confirmed what it's already been telegraphing for a while, um, that it does want to expand into video games. It's flirted with them a little bit in the past. Um, But what it wants to do is basically make video games, starting with mobile games, like another genre of programming on its service. You know, like started out with their high-profile, highbrow drama series, and then a few years later they expanded into reality shows and horror movies. They're kind of seeing video games as sort of the evolution of that. But obviously video games are very different than, you know, a narrative television show or movie. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point because I, I know Netflix is trying to spin this as almost like another genre it's expanding into, but it, it feels like it's a whole, it's a wholly different experience. And I'm curious, Netflix doesn't seem to have a lot of experience in gaming. Like, what, what do you sort of expect to see here? Well, they've sketched out some pretty broad ambitions for what they're going to do. They want to start out with mobile gaming first, um, and but they've also said that they can see that expanding to every kind of device that they already support for Netflix, which means that they envision gaming consoles as candidates for the kind of games that they make, desktop possibly gaming. Um, And of course, streaming TVs, which aren't necessarily, you know, you don't associate as a gaming device quite as much, but um, that's definitely where a lot of the growth has been in terms of watching television and movies on Netflix. And so maybe they'll figure, maybe they'll crack the code on like connected TV, casual gaming, I don't know. But Besides that, they've also said that these video games, yes, some of them are going to sort of pull from franchises that Netflix itself has developed. For example, um, Netflix just re-upped its um, deal with Shonda Rhimes, the Uber producer behind Bridgerton, just re-upped her deal. And in that deal, publicly said that any gaming, virtual reality, or live event content that she pitches is something that Netflix is going to be able to participate in. So there could be like, you know, possibly there could be a Bridgerton video game. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly where they're going to like strike forth or blaze the trail, but they could. But, you know, they're also going to look out at licensing outside properties. Think of Netflix making a video game based on an outside comic or an outside book series. Mm. And then it's also possible that these video games that they license or just create originally from whole cloth could spin off into TVs, shows, and movies. That, it could, that something could start as a video game and become a series later on. Okay. Well, I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Like, why? Because, at least in my mind, gaming is so different. Like, why Why even getting into gaming? Why, why get into this area as opposed to just focusing on, you know, the content that it's already really good at? Yeah, there's two reasons. The first is that... Gaming is more of a competitive threat Netflix sees than 
kind of the things that we normally would think of being a competitive threat to Netflix. Normally, we would say Disney Plus, HBO Max, all these giant media companies pivoting into streaming. Often, we kind of peg that as the biggest competition Netflix. But Netflix actually sees gaming and um, sites like YouTube, which is very different than Netflix, Disney Plus, the subscription video model. It sees those as its bigger competition because those are just vacuuming up so many entertainment hours. And each person on the planet only has so many hours in the day to dedicate mm. towards whatever entertainment they decide is worth their time. And so what Netflix, in one in one sense, is trying to do is figure out how it can attract more of those hours that it wouldn't just get with television shows and movies. And then the other part of it is that its growth isn't great. <laughs> right now, particularly because it was so gangbusters during the pandemic, and now it's kind of slowed off of that huge surge. But also in places like North America and the U.S. and Canada, there's not really a lot of people in the U.S. that have never had an experience with Netflix anymore. You know, pretty much everyone, it, it's so saturated at this point, pretty much everyone either has tried Netflix, has Netflix, or has a pretty good idea of what Netflix is and whether or not they want it. And so with gaming in those sort of mature markets like the US, which is still its biggest market, has the most members of any place in the world, gaming is a way to possibly find new demographics and bring in new customers and what it also hopes is keep them here. If you become a huge fan of, of you know, Stranger Things and you mm -hmm. want to dive deeper into that mythology, having a game in the service itself at no added cost is a way to keep you within that Netflix galaxy, even if, you know, it's going to be two and a half years between seasons of Stranger Things. Okay, well, that, that makes a lot of sense. But it, it's interesting that it's coming at a time where basically all the major tech companies have jumped into gaming, right? You've got Apple Arcade, Google Stadia, and even Amazon's got, you know, it's Luna Cloud Service, as well as actually investing in games itself. Is it is it at this point like it's sort of table stakes that every tech giant is is getting into gaming and like and is it is it really that much of a growth opportunity if everyone is doing it? You can we can argue whether it's table stakes. Just considering like, is it really a wise bet to be making? Period, and the jury is still out on that. Um, but I think what Netflix is doing, it's making a different bet than all those other um, giants that are launching their own cloud gaming services. As far as I know. All of them, or most of them, offer these cloud gaming services as standalone services that you can bundle with a sort of satellite collection of other memberships for a higher price total, but a lower price individually if you were to put them all together. You know, classic bundling. Netflix isn't doing that. It's not playing that game. Yeah. It's saying, look, yeah. you, we have three tiers here in the U.S. Um, in some emerging markets, it has a very cheap tier. Um, but basically, Netflix has three tiers. No matter which tier you're on, you get everything on our service. And that means every movie, every show, and soon every single mm -hmm. game. And I think that makes a big difference in terms of what kind of bet it's making. It's not betting that it, it doesn't want games to be a profit center or a new revenue stream. It really does want it to be a way for its, its one and only service to reach more people and keep them longer. Whereas the other ones, I think, are fighting a harder battle, trying to recruit people to a gaming service in and of itself, I think is a much taller order than getting additional customers to a service that's already immensely popular. Uh, no, that's, a, that's a good point. I, I know Netflix has toyed with interactive content like Bandersnatch. Do you think, and I, and I say this knowing, or I ask this knowing that 
Netflix hasn't given a lot of details. But like, do you think some of those early games will feel like that, or will we see like full-fledged mobile games? I'm assuming that they're going to have full-fledged mobile games. Um, I imagine that they're going to continue with that kind of interactive content like Bandersnatch. There's been a number of these sort of interactive choose-your-own-adventure style um, Mm -hmm. programs for kids. Um, Bandersnatch is the one that adults um, recognize most, but there's been a lot of them for kids and some other titles. Um, Those, I think, will still exist. But I really do think that, you you know, they've hired somebody to lead this initiative who is a veteran of Oculus and Zynga and I think EA, um, if I if I have his resume correct. So that's somebody who knows a lot of different kinds of game. And when we're talking about, that really covers all the territory from like mobile games all the way to like VR games, which nobody even knows if anyone's going to ever care about those <laughs> on a mass right. scale. Um, so I do think especially, and it's smart for them to go with mobile first since that it's, you know, it's not something that requires as much, um, it doesn't require as much to get things up and running for a mobile game. You know, they're pretty light touch yeah. and yeah. they're also casual. You know, they tend to be more casual games that bring um, a lot of casual gamers in. And certainly I think that's the kind of audience that Netflix is going for. They're not really going to, they're not trying to replace Fortnite yet. <laughs> And they're not trying to replace, like, Grand Theft Auto. They're going to be going after, like, the casual gamers and trying to make them find, make them see how Netflix can be even more attractive. Right. Uh, you alluded to this earlier with, uh, with the subscriber numbers, but Netflix reported its quarterly earnings yesterday. How, how did it do? It did not great, but not terrible. The Netflix argument is that, like, hey – a year ago, we're, we're getting compared to a year ago when everybody, like, in our markets, almost everybody in all our markets was getting locked up in their homes. And they were desperate for distraction, particularly streaming streaming video. And so they had gigantic surges a year ago. So, of course, the growth isn't going to be – it's going to be muted if you're going up against a comparison like that. And also, you know, a lot of the people that would have been signing up now probably just signed up a little bit earlier. What Netflix doesn't want to um, publicly admit or speak about or acknowledge is whether all this competition that we mentioned earlier, the kind of Disney Pluses launching, the HBO Maxes, Paramount Plus, Peacock, all these different services, it doesn't want to acknowledge that that competitive pressure might actually be having some sort of impact on its ability to get new customers. And even though Netflix isn't saying that, definitely some analysts are saying, like, look, you can't ignore the fact that in the U.S., Netflix, in the U.S. and Canada, Netflix lost subscribers for the first time in a couple years. And that's only the third time in kind of modern existence of Netflix that it has lost customers. And so they did fine, but there's definitely some questions that this video game initiative is trying to answer. You know, how are you going to keep adding members if adding lots and lots and lots of TV shows and movies just isn't getting you members in the same way that it did before. Yeah, and I guess there's, there's just a reality that with so many services, something had to give at some point. Um, I, it was interesting to know that I think they do, they list their competitive threats in their shareholder letter. And I don't think they mentioned these streaming services, right? They, they, I think they mentioned YouTube and some others. Yeah, they like to, they like to downplay the um, <laughs> threat of things like Disney Plus in In one instance, Reed Hastings, the co-CEO of Netflix, he tipped his hat to Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus has been far and away the most successful of the brand new streaming services trying to take on Netflix. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and he tipped his hat. He said, you know, like a lot of people have tried to come and eat our lunch and, you know, at least Disney Plus isn't exactly eating Netflix lunch, um, but he tipped his hat that, hey, they got a seat at the table. They clearly launched better mm -hmm. and more skillfully than anyone else has ever has ever been able to succeed at before. And now what people are starting to question is, well, are they eating your lunch? Maybe they're taking some nibbles. Maybe that's happening. But you're right. Yeah. Like in their competitive in their competitor section, they really like to list video games and also YouTube, which commands so yeah. much so much, you know, viewing hours, so many viewing hours everywhere in the world um, every single month that they see that. They, and then they also love to claim how, like, the, the it's very early days in the transition from regular TV <laughs> right. to streaming right, TV right. and that its main competitor right now is still just like traditional cable TV because that's where a lot of the television hours still exist. Um, but I think we all know that even the people that have cable companies and are cable programmers see the writing on the wall and they know that that's not going to exist in that fashion for very much longer. Yeah, for sure. Well, Joe, thanks for your time. You can check out our story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. Or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.